0: Welcome back, my friends, to A.A. Recovery Interviews. I'm your host, Howard L., and I'm an alcoholic, sober since January 1st, 1988, one day at a time. I'm grateful you've joined us. A.A. Recovery Interviews is the podcast where A.A. members from around the world share their amazing stories of experience, strength, and hope. For this, the 70th interview in my A.A. Recovery Interviews podcast series, I'm thrilled to welcome Ksenia P., a remarkable woman whose AA service work in her home country of Croatia is beyond compare. Though she grew up in a Soviet country that paid little heed to the disease of alcoholism, the rest of Ksenia's backstory is similar to those told by AA members in the U.S. She was raised in a culture in which alcohol is part of the social fabric and started drinking in her middle teens. Finding enjoyment in the bottle and the behavior that resulted from it, Ksenia lived through her share of abusive relationships, tough marriages, single mothering, and divorce, many of the same things encountered by other AA women I've interviewed. Like other ambitious and functional alcoholics, Ksenia still managed to carve out a successful career as a singer and actress in her native Croatia, the U.S., and other countries. Unfortunately, though inevitably, the disease of alcoholism interceded Prevailed and destroyed it all. Barely surviving her bottom, Ksenia was providentially led into the AA program and reliable sobriety. That was 30 years and many achievements ago. But it was her unique abilities associated with service work that put a shine on Ksenia's program. She actively lobbied for and later volunteered to translate the Big Book and the 12 and 12 into the Croatian language. Such tools were simply not available to the fledgling groups in Croatia, especially before the fall of the Soviet Union. The books completed and her career restored, Ksenia made it her service mission to travel her country, helping establish and support new and existing AA groups. To say that her service work has kept her sober, humble, and grateful would be an understatement. There are many Croatians who have been guided to sobriety by her effort. You're going to enjoy my interview with Ksenia. I do beg you to forgive the glitchy audio that Zoom's connection to Croatia provided that day, but it's still the content that counts, and hers counts a lot. So please welcome to AA Recovery Interviews my friend and AA sister, Ksenia P. I
1: am Ksenia. I'm a recovering alcoholic.
0: Hi, Ksenia. Thanks so much for. Being with me here today on AA Recovery Interviews, and this is a real special opportunity for me to get to know a woman who I first met at a meeting that takes place out of California. And I've enjoyed hearing what you've had to say in that meeting over the couple of years that we've been participating on Zoom. And I said, I just need to know more about this person, especially when I heard that you're actually in Croatia. And you have been involved in a lot of service in Croatia that just impressed the heck out of me. And I, I just want to thank you for being on this on this podcast today. Tell me um, how long you've been sober and what your sobriety date is.
1: My sobriety date is 2 30 days of sobriety this month.
0: Congratulations on that. Do you get a medallion or a chip in your home country?
1: I know uh, uh, one of my sponsee managed to get that medallion from a friend from Slovenia. They brought it from Slovenia and gave it to me.
0: (laughs) How wonderful. I know you've got an extraordinary story. So if we could go ahead and kind of start at the beginning.
1: I grew up in in Croatia in Dalmatia, both in Split and in Rika. Uh, with my grandparents, I spent quite a lot of time when I was very young and uh, I was a second child. And um, once I was six years old, I distinctly remember, and I went uh, in, in, a, in a storage where there was a huge barrel with uh, wine and uh, the wine was the red wine. And I came to that barrel and it was a faucet, actually, on the barrel, faucet, like it's for the water. So I poured a wine in a, in a glass, and they were looking at me, and I was six years old. And I said, why are you, what are you looking at me? I just ate figs. You know that you cannot drink water after figs. you got to drink huh. something. I'm thirsty, so I'm not drinking water because you told me I'm going to get diarrhea. So... <laughs> The, the people watching six-year-old <laughs> anyway um then i was 10 or 11. Uh, I, my father was a sea captain and it was in slovenia and copper uh, or and then it was new year and they gave mm-hmm. me just a, two tips of champagne and i swear to god when yes. i tried that one i thought mm-hmm. i went to heaven mm-hmm. i was waiting the whole year mm-hmm for the new year to have another two three sips of champagne that they were giving us
0: so between 6 and 10 you were drinking wine
1: no no never water water lemonade whatever nothing, nothing. but just for new year they gave oh, okay. me two sips for i was like 10 11 oh, okay. two sips of and i thought i went Absolutely to heaven. Then uh, next year for New Year, again, they gave me a few sips of champagne. Oh, God, heaven. Then I was 14 Mm -hmm. and my dad brought red wine, very heavy red sweet wine called Malaga Mm -hmm. in Spain. Mm -hmm. And I remember taking the bottle in my room and I remember drinking the whole bottle and the, the the table in front of me was going like, you know, it was like a waves. I was completely drunk and I uh-huh. wrote a poem. By that time, I was writing poems. I was dancing. I was acting. I was singing. I was just o- obsessed with uh-huh. being a performer. Right. And at that time, with, the, with that bottle of wine, I wrote a, a drunken poem, which is like, <laughs> <lots> of, <laughs> like a big surprise. Uh It was quite a good poem. Everybody praised me. And of course, I attributed that success to uh, the wine I drank. I continued uh, secretly asking mom for a glass of wine or something. I was 14, 15.
0: Mm -hmm. So you didn't have to sneak it? You could actually just ask your mom for
1: it? Oh, it was Croatia. It's mom or grandpa. And, and when I and then I was 15 and a half I had the boyfriend 16 mm-hmm. and then you know my father was a sea captain so my mom was with two girls and she real didn't realize that at 15 and a half I got into incredibly abusive relationship I got a really abusive boyfriend mm-hmm. emotionally mentally spiritually physically I was basically raped and brainwashed almost every day of my life. That I was no good, that mm. I was a fallen woman because I'm sleeping with somebody out of the marriage,
2: mm-hmm. that
1: I'm not good, that I'm stupid. If I become an actress, I will be a whore. I was every day hit, beaten, whatever. And the sex uh, was to me as is interesting as eating glass so that was my first at that time when i was with this abusive boyfriend my Mm -hmm. mother didn't know that i was scared to death to say anything about that person because he threatened me he threatened my life he threatened my parents he threatened my sister i was living in fear when you're 15 and a half 16 then you believe that that's what relationships are i would go in his house and then Mm -hmm. um i would have a dinner with his sister and mom and dad and by the way his dad was also abusing with his mother um uh, beating her and so on anyway so it was like a normal thing. It's looked like uh, my parents never raised voice. Uh, they knew nothing what was going on with me. And then I started having a glass of wine or two glasses. I I realized when I have two glasses of wine, then I can survive that horrendous uh, sex situation later on a little bit easier.
2: Mm-hmm. Uh,
1: then it was more and more. And uh, but that was a very good student. But at that time the abuse got so intense that I was basically losing my mind Mm -hmm. because I wanted to be an actress. I wanted to go to Academy of Dramatic Arts. And he stopped me when I was 18. He virtually stopped me physically. I was afraid uh, for my life. Mm -hmm. And then I started drinking really because when I was drinking, I was very brave. And I would tell him that I hate him and I'm going to leave him. And the alcohol and this abuse went hand in hand. Mm. And my alcohol intake escalated. And then finally I was 20 and I decided dead or alive, I'm going to be go to Academy of Dramatic Arts to uh-huh. uh, preliminary exam.
2: Uh-huh. And
1: I passed. There were 220 people. There were four girls accepted. And I was very happy and proud. And he came with a gun to shoot me. And I told him, that he can kill me, but I'm not going to go back to him. And my mother finally called the police. I was 21 by that time.
0: Were you actually married to him at this point or?
1: No, no, I was not living with him. I was my boyfriend. Uh-huh. I was in prison. He no. picked me up at 7 took me to school at 8, picked me up at 1.15 and came back to pick me up at 6 p.m. And bring me back by nine o'clock when I had the curfew. I was a good girl.
0: A good girl in a bad situation, right?
1: Yeah. It was forbidden for me to go by myself to town, you know, Uh, for three years. He was to me really, uh, I was completely abused. I did not understand that that's not what relationships should look like.
0: Did you have anybody to talk to about it?
1: Oh, I was scared to death. He threatened me, and he. I had to say to everybody I love him. He's my boyfriend. I never mm. talked to men. He forbid me to be with my girlfriends. He stopped me from seeing anybody, and mm-hmm. I was isolated. So finally, mm. when I came to, uh, to Academy of Dramatic Arts, all that abuse and brainwashing that I'm no good came to haunt me. And I was very attractive uh, young lady, and mm-hmm. men were just obsessing to be with me. I had no clue what is love. I had no clue what is relationship. And then I was 22, and I fell in love for the first time. And that person was all um, oh, an alcoholic. Of course, I fell in love with an alcoholic. By that time, I was real full-blown alcoholic. I was very good. And my work in in a, th- in a theater mm-hmm. but there were so many opportunities that i was blowing away because i was drinking and mm-hmm. uh, i started working national theater became a young star but my drinking escalated i thought oh i have made it and uh, by the age of 22 i decided that i'm not gonna be with my great love that i'm gonna leave him And the first guy that came along, I got married as a revenge to the one that I really loved, a real alcoholic move. Nobody told me that if you don't want to kiss somebody and you don't want to sleep with him, it's really not wise to get married to that person. But
0: What happened to uh, boyfriend number one?
1: He stayed in a different town. Yugoslavian police probably beat him up very well. Mm-hmm. and Or whatever they did with him, threatened him, you know, he's going to be without kidneys next time he, he approaches me. He never approached me again. The first boyfriend uh, got married to uh, another lady. The next 30 years, he absolutely tortured her and the whole town knew that so it's just like i escaped that i got married to somebody i didn't love and i was married i had a beautiful little baby girl
0: how old were you when you got married
1: Uh, i was 23 when i got married and then i had my daughter and i was 25 when i told my husband who was also an alcoholic i told him Mm -hmm. after being together like four years of the problem I don't like you. I don't love you. I never loved you. I will never love you. I cannot love you. I tried everything, but I cannot forget my first boyfriend. I'm still in love with him. I think about him 24 hours a day. Mm. The the guy looked at me and, you know, only an alcoholic woman can say things like, why did you marry me? I said, I thought I was going to forget about him. (laughs) Why did you have a baby? I said, I don't know. It happened, you know, I thought the best. It just doesn't, it, this marriage is not working. I was 25 and a half years old. I was, I was as crazy as Looney Bean, you know?
0: Yeah, and you had a little child at the time?
1: A yeah, child, twi- two and a half years old. We divorced and the most ugly divorce. We didn't have shared custody, but I never forbid him to see the kid. I just, and yeah. as my career was, in spite of my alcoholism, I was very young. So it uh-huh. was really f- flourishing and everything.
0: Were you drinking all the time?
1: Yeah, I was drinking all the time. I will make like um, an attempt to stop drinking for a while. I will make an attempt maybe not to drink, but it will last for a short period of time. Every time I would drink, Mm
2: -hmm.
1: every time I would drink, I would feel like a Kodak moment, a zen. (sighs) I have arrived exactly there where I always wanted to be. Somebody told me, Xenia, maybe you're an alcoholic. If you are like me. When you drink you just arrive exactly where you always wanted to be. Mm -hmm. So that was was my problem. And thought I with the alcohol I was brave, I was talented, I was smart, I was everything funny that what I thought.
0: What do you think when your friend told you she thought you were an alcoholic?
1: At early ages, people didn't tell me because I was hiding very well, two, three glasses, but that would change my personality. Uh-huh. I would be aggressive, would tell everybody, I'm that great actress, I'm, I'm a great singer, start singing. When I was drinking, I would just sing, you know, people love it.
0: Do you think it made it more difficult later on? I mean, I've interviewed people before that the hardest part about stopping drinking was they were so successful while they were drinking. They didn't seem to feel like there was a connection between the problems in their life and the alcohol. Did you get the sense that because you were so successful, you couldn't possibly be an alcoholic?
1: Yeah, yeah, yeah. I thought, yeah, how can I be? I, you know, I'm not an alcoholic. I'm taking care of my kids. I'm taking care of myself. I, I live in this beautiful part of town. I uh-huh. uh, never embarrass myself. I get drunk. Like, mainly I was drinking solo drinker, you know, mm-hmm. like I would hide my drinking. Mm-hmm. And then... Um, uh, my career was very successful at that time. I I was like a full of myself. And I thought that my, especially my singing, is completely dependent on the alcohol because it gave mm. me so much courage. So mm. I got uh, divorced. Uh, and then five years later, I met. Uh, I was shooting a movie, a co-production with mm-hmm. United States. I meddled fell in love with John. Mm-hmm. I madly fell in love with him and he madly fell in love with me. Oh my God. Uh, at that time, I really controlled myself. I would drink two glasses of wine and try to behave myself mm-hmm. because I was not the fallen drunk at that time. I was just incredibly hurt, abused person.
0: How old were you at that point? 31. So you were at the peak of your career at that time with singing and acting. and
1: Yeah. Yeah. I was That year, I got parts in five movies. We got engaged in in Venice and Mm -hmm. we took my kid. Her father was not crazy about it, but he was a drunk and he was making scenes. So I thought in my heart, it's the best that my daughter uh, lives a normal life, which I wanted for her, a normal Mm -hmm. family life. Mm -hmm. in the United States, and we took off. We got married in Tokyo, Mm -hmm. and uh, we went to New York to celebrate our marriage. It was all days of wine and roses, you know, champagne, champagne, champagne. I was drinking more and more, and then it was hard to hide, you know. Alcohol was my drug of choice. Uh After five months of my marriage, my husband smoked a first joint of marijuana Mm -hmm. and probably took some cocaine And I never, ever saw a person that I got married to again. He Mm. turned into a terrible drug addict. And I started drinking more and more. I was just out of my mind. He was just a pothead, like just a pothead. Pothead from morning to evening. I couldn't stand it. He was absent. And so was I. Even with a small amount of uh, alcohol, I would turn into maniac. Uh, because uh-huh. I was upset because I saw the truth. And then he couldn't take my obsessive uh, behavior. He thought I was crazy. So he left me and the child. That was the worst point of my alcoholic drinking. And he told me that I can go and live with my daughter anywhere I want to. That evening, my, um, my drinking was amazing. So it was the worst moment of my life
0: had he asked you to stop drinking Ksenia?
1: no he i was not drinking in front of him excessively i was just behaving like mad woman i would have two three glasses and I would go out of my mind. Your
0: behavior was getting in the way.
1: Yeah, I'm really allergic to alcohol. So he left. My daughter seven and a half. And my husband sent me a letter where he is telling me that he cannot take this abuse anymore. That yeah, I'm talking horrible, horrible things that I'm you know paranoid about, and that he cannot take this anymore, and that he will support me mm-hmm. wherever I want to go.
0: But you said that was the worst part of your life to that point.
1: I will say one thing. Uh, When I got read that, I loved that man. Unfortunately, (laughs) he was probably uh, one of the really, I'm reluctant to say, but I never loved anybody like I loved my
2: husband. Mm -hmm.
1: And when I read that letter, I fell on the floor and I... I was uh, out of my mind of pain, emotional pain. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I, I drained the whole bottle of sherry brandy mm-hmm. and uh, completely drunk. I smashed mm-hmm. the bottle. I was laying on the floor and I slashed my wrist oh, my. with my seven-year-old I'm in the house. Oh. And I slashed my wrist and I looked at the sky and I asked God, God, please help me. Why? Please, mm-hmm. please help me! And at that time, I felt that I slashed my wrist twice, but I slashed it the wrong way. Uh, uh, I didn't know how to do it. Uh, um, I slashed it horizontally, oh my. and then I and then I I there was a ground like a force underneath me,
2: mm-hmm. like
1: pulled me pulled me something pulled me as i said god help me help me i don't remember if i was calling jesus or mary but i know god i was calling god and Mm -hmm. then and i stood up and i i was i called i want to live and then i fell downstairs these wooden stairs i fell and i hurt myself really bad Mm -hmm. and then they they put some antibiotic on my wound, and they take took care of me. And the next day, I, and he told me I, I have to leave. I decided to go to Los Angeles with my daughter, where else is a normal person, actress going, but to L.A. where I can work. And then the next day, uh, that evening, when I came to the hotel, there was a doctor that came, thank God, and gave me antibiotics and helped me. And the next morning, uh, when I was about to go on a flight, my husband showed up and he came back.
0: When you were lying there and looking up at the sky, you're out in the outdoors there and you tried to slash your wrists and you asked God to help you. Yeah. What? What was that a uh, spiritual moment for you? Did you Did you get the yeah. sense that God was going to help you? Yeah.
1: Yeah. Somebody pushed me. Somebody lifted me up. I didn't. I. I couldn't do it by myself. It was like I was light, like a feather. I. I stood up like a feather. It was. Impatient. I distinctly remember the biggest pain in my the bit the top of my horrendous. Alcoholic, emotional, mental pain—all the abuse and all the pain came to me, and I really didn't want to live. So I—I I, at that time I didn't remember my daughter. I didn't remember anything, anything. I was just mm-hmm. with a bottle of sherry brandy, but uh, I was a spirit, very spiritual moment. And then the next few days, uh, I suffered. Uh, I think I was having—I had nervous breakdown and mm-hmm. my husband came back and we went to hawaii and we stayed there and he was in heaven because he had his marijuana maui wawi
0: had you stopped drinking by this point
1: oh no oh no
0: no so you so you have this spiritual experience
1: yeah i had a spiritual
0: you ask god to help
1: yeah but emotionally i was out of my mind i was out of my mind and i the only thing that could help me was just i didn't drink much i was drinking like a little bit of beer i didn't get drunk uh but i was so insane i didn't take any pills for to calm down nothing and i had uh, i met some russian descendants uh and i started drinking with them champagne and uh, but not excessively i would go and then come back I was not like a fallen drunk, how to say. Yeah. Uh, to me, it was enough. Uh, I was. My problem was the first. The first step. Uh, uh, yeah. We are unable, unable to control your life. You know, the things that are had two marriages broken, uh, two uh, 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 two careers destroyed. I destroyed my career in Hollywood, like. T- <laughs>
0: Did anybody at this point, Ksenia, were, were any of the people who were close to you, either family or anybody yeah. else, did they suggest to you that you should really, really stop?
1: No. Um. Uh, in Croatia, my only my great-grandmother, my grandmother looked at me and said, no, don't pour the third glass, but I will do it anyway. My parents, yeah. never, nobody. The only... Pr- Person, I got really drunk was that love of my life, the first love of my life, who I was in a relationship for. Nine years, we will see each other and be intimate, mm-hmm. whatever. And the yeah. last time I came in, I completely drunk, and he said, Xenia, you are one of the people that should not drink. You are terribly allergic. After two, three glasses of wine, you are impossible to live with. And then uh, it escalated.
0: But you didn't, be- you didn't believe that, did you?
1: Yeah, and I tried to do it on my own, and I couldn't. I I would stop for a few months. Then I was married to John, and I would. Uh, stop and I would swear to God that I would not like in 1990 I stopped like from nine months first four months then one month then three months I stopped
0: on sheer will
1: on sheer will white knuckling you know no I'm not gonna do it I'm not gonna do it I'm not gonna do it yes
0: did you ever along the way draw the connection between some of these horrendous things that were going on in your life and the fact that you were continuing to drink before, during, and after them?
1: Uh, yeah and no. What do you mean? Yes, I would not connect them. I would just mm. say I was not lucky, you know. Uh, I thought that alcohol was helping. I definitely I cannot sing without alcohol, that's for sure. And uh, uh-huh. sex, whatever shit. But the thing is that I never blamed alcohol for uh, things that were happening in my life. Mm. Then when I came to Hollywood, I started working very soon. I had a small party in A movies that I did some concert. Mm-hmm. And I thought, oh, man, I'm climbing. And, uh, you know, on a wrap party of um, a movie that I was part of, I got so drunk. I, I did everything wrong that you can do. Mm-hmm. I just uh, blew it at the very beginning. When you, they see that you're crazy, they don't care. You know, you, they write you off. Yeah. so um, and I didn't know that was happening,
0: so you were functioning all right, drinking the way you were drinking
1: no, at that time, I came to hollywood nineteen eighty seven eighty eight nine yeah uh at that time, I was already you know I was an alcoholic. It's not two, three, five, ten glasses of wine. I was sitting yeah. in a Downton and talked to the to the famous people, and I thought right. I made it. I'm just around the corner, whatever. You know, obsessed with with the fame, obsessed with bullshit. And then in ninety, I decided to divorce John. I, by that time, I already have gone my merry way. I was going out. I had a very good girlfriend that was helping me break my marriage. And but
0: you're still drinking.
1: Yeah. Yeah. I was still drinking. Marriage was falling apart.
0: We were talking about you're getting divorced. Uh, you're 1992. You're drinking more than ever. I wanted to ask you a question, though, regarding that nine months that you stopped. First of all, why did you stop?
1: Because I knew uh, in Paris in 1983, I knew In my heart, for the first time, I admitted to my then boyfriend, I told him, uh, I have to admit that I'm thinking all day long about this bottle of Beaujolais. I did admit in 1983, I tried on my own so painfully to stop many, many, many times, but in uh, in in Hollywood, when I came in Hollywood, I uh, it was so connected this alcohol with my professional success, this drunken cre- insanity. And then what happened in my life was war in Croatia, and that woke up. and that woke me up. And um,
0: what year was that? Nineteen
1: ninety one. And uh, during that time, I just uh, so painfully tried to stop on my own, and it wouldn't hmm. work. And it wouldn't work. And um, I have uh, major success in the theater, and movies, and uh, wherever I went, I had wonderful response. I got. Um, I really was very happy working, but the alcohol cannot stop. And then my, a friend of mine, I don't know who he told me, it'll be nice. You know, Xenia, if you want to be an actress and a singer, you should really differently live, you know, more dedicated to that. No more booze, no more going around. And uh, I said, oh, you're so stupid. You don't know what you're saying, you know? And I, was, and I said, would you just promise me to go one meeting I said, okay, I'll go, I'll go. So I went to the meeting with my friend, Don, and Clancy was speaking.
0: <laughs> oh, and your first meeting, Clancy was speaking? Yeah,
1: yeah, yeah. And I said to Don after the meeting, I said, Don, you are so right. This alcohol is so dangerous. I am so glad it didn't happen to me. I never saw a doctor. I never went to hospital. I never saw anybody. <laughs> I love to drink, but now that I see what kind of stories people say, from now on, after lunch or dinner, one glass, maximum two.
0: (laughs) (laughs) What did he say to that?
1: (laughs) You are so right. Good for you.
0: (laughs) (laughs) He didn't tell you that you had to stop, huh?
1: Done that, yeah, yeah, that's a good plan. Why don't you try some controlled drinking? <laughs> <laughs> so, at that time, I was engaged, and mm. uh, we came to Boston. Everybody was there, all the family gathered together. It was Shabbat dinner, or whatever thing. And I knew I cannot drink more than two glasses of wine. And then the worst thing happened they have a wine cellar right next to the kitchen with millions of bottles of gorgeous wine. I was shaking. I wait for this five days to finish and come home and really relax in my home. And let me tell you, my drinking, when I came back to Los Angeles,
2: mm-hmm.
1: it was like mad Japanese train with no brakes. That's mm-hmm. how I felt for next two months at the end of January, it was my daughter's birthday, 25th of January. Mm-hmm. And I swear to God that I was not going to drink again. And when I woke up at 26 in the morning and I was hungover, just, it was just so incredibly, I was so helpless, so helpless. Mm-hmm and i continued to drink for the next 6 days and then on the on the first i think in the evening my friend mark came and he looked at me and i was painting the furniture black mm. actually i want to say one thing so everybody knows my experience we are going to roberta flack concert and i ordered juice it was one day before my last day of drinking i was able to control my drinking with one or two drinks and the next day in the morning I started drinking the rest of the bottle of of whiskey and by the end of the day I was finished with the whiskey and two liters of oranges because it's good for you. Mark came and said you're drunk and I said I might be drunk but Uh, you are so-and-so and I spit on him and I pulled his hair and I attacked him, like really attacked him physically and I wanted to hit him. I missed and I slipped on my carpet in my living room. I hit my head against the wooden floor like a watermelon. I still hear that sound 30 years later. And mm. that was the moment when I realized, Ksenia, these things do not happen to normal people. You mm. are an alcoholic. If this was cement, you would be dead.
0: Were you knocked out or were you just stunned by that hitting of your head?
1: I was just stunned. I was not knocked out. I just was aware. I heard the sound as I'm as if I'm hearing it today. I know hmm. I'm an alcoholic. I can prove it. I never saw a doctor. I never went to Sakart. I never went to hospital. Thank you, God. Never to rehab, nowhere. Just a saved my life. I had a lump on my back for two months. And then that day I said in the morning when I woke up, I said, Yes, I know. And Mark said, You have a problem. I said, yes, I'm an alcoholic, and I have a problem, and I'm going to ask for help. And I came to the meetings. I was crying, crying, and I said, please, please help me. I don't know what's happening with me. Mm -hmm. I'll never forget. It was just a small meeting, and it was so, I felt like I was home. I was home, and they all comforted me. Mm -hmm. And then shortly after that, I started going. And it was the first time when I really knew I belonged. Although for a long time, I was thinking, man, I didn't drink that much. Look at this.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: They were using all these alcohol. I was never like that, you know. Just try to slash your wrist, you know, and try to yeah. kill yourself and try to... And hitting your head against... So I came over there and I was like really... I was very shortly, I belonged, I was depressed out of my mind. I couldn't act, I couldn't do anything.
0: We'll be right back. My friends, if you're enjoying AA Recovery interviews, check out my big book podcast, the complete, unabridged audio version of the first and second editions of Alcoholics Anonymous. It's an engaging word-for-word, cover-to-cover reading of all 11 chapters and original stories including rare stories not published in the third or fourth editions. Listen to all 85 episodes by subscribing to the Big Book Podcast on Apple Podcasts or wherever you get your podcasts. Or listen on bigbookpodcast.com. You'll know you've arrived when you see our logo, a first edition Big Book wearing headphones. And we're back. So here you are, a woman who had to drink to be able to perform, to sing, to act, to do all these other things. And now you can't drink. So the thinking is, I can't do those things anymore. So
1: that means that I was going to be nothing. I was I, At that time, I had with alimony. I could live of that. I'm going to, sure. the to the meetings and uh, I'm I'm afraid to go to for readings. And then finally, I got a part in a, in a theater, a lead part, and I was playing a an old woman. And I said, Jesus Christ, how am I ever going to play that older woman? And I remember it was Audi theater. I was coming out and I looked at Black Hole. The, the theater was packed. I said to myself, oh, if you only had one or two drinks, I was like nine months sober. Uh, if you only have a few drinks, you would be so good. But with no drinks, oh, look at this. You're going to come out. You're not going to be funny. You're not going to be anything.
2: Mm -hmm. It's all
1: going to be nothing. It was my first performance. Mm -hmm. It was in September and I got sober um, in February. Yeah, anyway, about eight months sober. So I come on the the Mm -hmm. stage as a Mm mother-in-law and I start talking. And I saw the audience laughing like never in my life. I saw the connection. I saw, it was amazing. I said, Jesus Christ, what's going on? Why are they laughing? Like, why are they laughing? What <laughs> crazy crazy? Maniacs! I was a star. And the critic, uh, somebody wrote, xenia's mother-in-law steals the show.
2: Oh, and that
1: was weird. the beginning. And then I, my career really was going very well, but um, uh, uh, at that time I found out that Croatia has no age. that Croatia has no books and then I found out why in the world I ever graduated University of Economy and Science Department of Languages I was certified uh, in a correspondent foreign you know correspondent of foreign Mm languages I translated chapter five I sent it to New York and I said if you can give me the the honor to translate the big book in uh, Croatian, my sister is going to help me to be new Croatian. It was uh-huh. 1994, I think. They loved my translation, and they allowed me. And then my sister, who is a teacher of uh, English and German in, in Croatia and knows mm-hmm. very well the new Croatian language, helped me to write the big book. Then I, myself, translated 12 and 12. I went in Croatia, in 1992, after nine months of sobriety, it was the war. I went to Croatia. It was war, 92. Nobody was there. Of AA, I couldn't find anybody. They said they told me there is a priest in Croatia who knows of AA in Zagreb. Uh-huh. I couldn't find him. Then uh, four years later, I went back to Croatia in 1996 when war was over, and then they told me that the priest. Who was familiar with AA <laughs> went mm-hmm. and took vow of silence?
0: <laughs> oh no. <laughs> Was he sober? Yeah.
1: And by the way, at that time I somehow uh, didn't connect yet with the English-speaking group in Croatia that was already there from some Americans that were living in Zagreb. In 1997, I found out there is a doctor who knows of AA. I found the American group, and uh, by that time in 1997, I think uh, New York printed a big book in Croatian. I took it in mm-hmm. 1998. The first meeting in Croatian language, there were four of us, uh, and that meeting Mm -hmm. in Osijek started uh, 4th of October 1998. It was the first Croatian meeting in Croatia with Big Book in Croatian.
0: Wow, how marvelous to be at the very first meeting in a country. What did you do in your early years of AA to prepare you to be of such service? did you get a sponsor r- right away did you work the steps what solidified your sobriety early on such that you could get in there and translate the book and do all that other good service the first
1: work? two years i was uh, i probably was very lucky to uh, connect uh, 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 you know connect with the winners i really loved yes. Victoria and Wes and the most, uh, uh, there was Mr. Mel, who was my sponsor. There was another woman, Randy. I immediately have a sponsor. And then they, but but, but, but they were, when they were talking about the steps and, and traditions, to me, it was like Chinese. I, I didn't know what were they were talking about. It was so boring. Mm-hmm. But I did it anyway. Then... After two years with Mr. Mel, who was trying to help me, he was a man 30 years mm-hmm. older than me. He was kind and loving and sweet, probably father I never had, very protective. And he said to me one day, I'm going to take you to Claire S. And Claire is still alive. It's a circus. Mm-hmm. We had about 30 women. And nobody ever went out as much as I know. My sisters and I probably mm-hmm. the youngest." Claire was uh, an angel, a light of my life. I mm-hmm. loved her more than than anything in the world. I adored her. Uh, she taught me how to be a mother. She taught me how to... Be, and everybody was successful who was, you know, there. And we did book study. There was one guy I really liked and to impress him. I started doing GSL. <laughs> mm. <laughs> Just like I was... Uh, I connected with New York somehow and uh, I slowly but surely I understood that the grace of me translating big book and 12 and 12 is bigger than anything I did in my life and that I was not born in Croatia by chance. I have to go to Croatia for substantial amount of time to carry the message. It's not like you can come, hey, here's the book, you know, carry the message. Yeah. And God thought that in Croatia, for me, in Osijek, should be the most amazing member of AA called Terran.
2: Mm-hmm. Most
1: wonderful uh, person, just like a epitome of 12 steps, just something gorgeous. He was having meetings with the group before, but he only spoke Ro- English. Terence was the one who started in Osijek uh, meetings in the north uh-huh. of Croatia. And if I wanted to go from Split to, to Osijek, I would go 14 hours by train. I come over there, have a meeting, <sighs> spend two days with the boys and the girls, uh-huh. and then come back. Within a year, he had 100 members of AM, mainly sober. He helped. so He was one in the world. And I started in Croatia in Split. Uh, about two, three months later, I got my first first sponsee in
0: in Croatia. Yeah. What was that like for Boy,
1: you? Boy, I spoiled her. I rotten the ice. And when she called me one day, twenty times she called me. Oh, I have a toothache. And I said, Why don't you call a dentist? Why are you calling me? <laughs> you know?
2: so,
1: and then it was the second girl that came in July. One came in. April. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then her sobriety day was in June, the other in July. The third one came in December. And I can proudly mm. say that the three first uh-huh. girls are celebrating this year 23 years of sobriety. All three of them.
0: Congratulations on that. And kept you sober.
1: Kept very sober. Then we started a meeting and then we I, I was going to Osik, to Zagreb. The American group, English-speaking group in Zagreb was just amazing. Then Ivica came from Canada. Then we started in Osijek. Uh, then split. Then recently we started in Love, in Rieka, uh, Slovenia. Uh-huh. Then we had a, a, con- a, um, a convention in 2005.
2: Uh-huh.
1: The guys right. came from Serbia. They, we helped. Uh, Serbia started basically it was like a snowball it was like a snowball and today we have 40 meetings a week in Split we have meetings in Rieka we have meetings in Zagreb meetings in Osijek and now that is this online thing going on we mm-hmm. all see each other and it's like really my heart is full yesterday I was in the Zagreb English speaking group the group that greeted me when I came back
2: uh-huh.
0: isn't that amazing did you go to any of the internationals? Did you go to the one in San Antonio or, or Atlanta? It was
1: the most wonderful experience of my life.
0: Were you carrying the flag? Were you one of the flag bearers? I was,
1: yeah, 75. I saw you. And I came out with a, with a flag of my country, and my heart was just about to explode. And the most wonderful thing was happening behind. right after my flag was... China for the first time. Oh my God, it was, it was, no, no. It was just like beyond, far and beyond. And I am grateful. There was a lady in, in the central office and many other wonderful, wonderful people who have made my life so, I'm so aware that the grace of Alcoholics Anonymous in every minute, a presence of God and higher power I'm back to my religion in a way that I'm God the way I believe
0: it sounds to me like this experience with translating the big book and getting meetings started in your native country in your in your home country did an awful lot to keep you sober over the years and engaged with AA. sounds like a god thing that happened there where god put this service work in your life and you know what strikes me ksenia about about you is that you are one of the pioneers when you think about the pioneers of AA in the early part of the 20th century, in 1935 and 1939, throughout the 40s, those were the people who were bringing AA to different cities in the country. So they had to know the big book. They had to be dedicated. They had to be absolutely con- committed to AA and the program, and it sounds to me that that's what you did in Croatia in the 90s. I
1: must say one thing that Croatia in 90s, no, at the beginning of 2000, I came back in 1999 from States uh-huh. for good. You know, that year I was flying from five times. I put out of my pocket... You know, uh, I bought five tickets, um, Croatia, and Los Angeles, Croatia, Los Angeles, Croatia, Los Angeles, bringing the big book, to, trying to, uh, you know, re- see what, how can I carry the program and everything. And the fifth ticket, I remember at that time I wasn't really – uh, uh, very well with the money because I was uh, so insanely in love with uh, with AA and the translation
2: <laughs> and then
1: I, I I needed some money and I called a friend of mine who was very, very well off and I said, listen, I'm carrying the, the, the big book in Croatia and I, would you please buy me a, the, the ticket? I'm not going back to Los Angeles for a while
2: <laughs> He bought
1: me a ticket He and I came back and I had like about four thousand dollars the first book they didn't pay me a dime i didn't they gave to my sister into the train uh, the guys who actually she translated the new creation and typed the for the with the doctor they gave some money for that and the second time for the 12 and 12 they told me you have to take the money for the translation it's like a a lot of translation of the travel. Sure. And you have to travel to the... Oh, I forgot mm-hmm. I had to travel. I had travel expenses and everything. It was just so sweet. I would 12-step just about every person in a train. So a year later <laughs> on, into my AA insane work in Croatia, Terence tells me, Senia, AA is not going to feed you. You're going to do your job. You're going to work. <laughs> Right. I made uh, that year I created with my crew and in the national theater a performance called Marlene Dietrich. It exploded! It exploded! It was performance that I when I heard the applause and the standing ovation at that after that and I I just couldn't I knew it it was God higher power awarded me for my 12th step. <laughs>
0: Wow, that's beautiful. Yeah. When did that when did that start?
1: And that started in nineteen ninety nine and and so far I have performed in five languages that show in twenty different countries. And I perform in New York, in Los Angeles, and all over the world, South America, all over Europe. So the deal was that I was so overwhelmed with my success, but never ever in my life, I forgot to be of service, to go to the meetings. And my sponsor said, how come you can be so patient? And I said, I don't understand. My sponsor told me, uh-huh. Xenia, you have to listen to the boring ones. Maybe I'm one of the boring ones. You have to do the steps, the steps. This is the program of 12 steps. It's not the program, come to the meeting, have a coffee and go home. And say, no, this is a program right. of 12 steps. If you do not change, it was a very difficult at a certain point. Again, I wanted mm-hmm. to be important. Then I faced another compulsive, obsessive uh, behavior with in food department. So I started C A how. I personally do believe that at this point when the war is starting in Europe, um I don't know uh-huh. when, how, and what, if I did not have spiritual guidance, 12 steps, and acceptance that whatever it comes, mm-hmm. I have, I if I look back my 30 years, I have been true to myself. I have been true to God, I have done the yeah. best I could for my fellow man. Nothing compares to that.
0: Congratulations on all of your success in getting the AA program underway in your in your home country. Now you're living there full time.
1: Yeah, I live there full time, but I go on um I also go uh travel a lot in Italy and I travel really a lot around the world. Do
0: you go to meetings when you're traveling?
1: Yeah, yeah.
0: Isn't that wonderful? So sorry,
1: I cannot I must say that one of the most beautiful meetings i met where in venezuela um, my m- most memorable meetings and um, girls that were probably more emotional than i am in in russia in saint petersburg
0: you know when i was new in sobriety in in the early 90s i remember at one of the clubhouses i went to there were a couple of russian fellows from russia who had come to the united states specifically to take AA back to Russia and establish some of the first AA meetings in Russia. And I'll never forget, they were—they came in, they were like sponges trying to soak everything up. One of the things I want to ask you about, the stories, I'm curious, did, so the 164 pages obviously were translated. Did you, did you translate the stories or did you put in n- different stories?
1: Okay. I translated uh, big books, 164 pages, and I translated 12 and 12. In 2015, we had a convention in Croatia, and uh, I think it was Dublin, who is now the CEO and uh, in the, in the Central Office of Europe. They financed the second edition of Croatian Big Book, with including the stories. So now we have the second edition of Big Book with the stories and with everything. So we are very advanced. <laughs> they asked uh-huh. me many times to, to speak and send my story to a great flag Somehow, <laughs> I was just so crazy busy, but I, if I say, my name is Xenia, and I brought, like everybody will know that that, like my anonymity will be broken in 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 a second.
0: One of the goals of doing this podcast, and I start interviewing people about their participation in AA, I have to be extraordinarily respectful of anonymity to the point where I will actually cut out the names of people's treatment centers and other things that would identify them to anybody who wanted to look into them. I wanted to ask you about your own personal anonymity and, and how you deal well, with it. If
1: I can have a tattoo AA in my forehead, I would do it, <laughs> but that was one thing. I yeah. am going to write my biography, and I will write about 12-step program. read that 12-step programs. Yes. I will never, ever deny that the way I recovered. I would not say Alcoholics Anonymous, but I will definitely say my story. I give a shit. I'm sorry to say that. Uh, 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 they tried, you know, to... They put me in a newspaper with a, oh, that I'm the big fighter for the clubs of recovering alcoholic.
2: Uh-huh. Then
1: I, and these are you have to know that when I came to the United from United States to Croatia, I asked the president of Red Cross why in the world we do not have AA, and he said he told me how can Yugoslavia can have AA, Senia, It's based on God, on higher power. Instead of higher power, put family Mm -hmm. and anonymity. No, no, don't drink, it's not good for you. And change according to the communist plan, which you cannot rely on higher power and God, but on your family, your mom, your family. I've never seen in such meetings so much abuse, you will not believe it. Families come and then the the husband said, You cheated on me, you were a whore, you this and that, and the children listen. Yeah. It's it's insanity. So that was what I found when I came back. And even today in Zagreb, we had to fight. But my sponsor told me Xenia, there's nothing to fight. AA is going to develop on its own. You know, we don't fight. We don't we yeah. are in the hospital. When when we came to split, doctor told us where where have you been? You know, oh. it's all big time work. Meetings, steps, sponsor, stay sober, come to the meetings. It's not it's not like, hey, here is the book, you're gonna get sober. Uh uh-uh. uh.
0: I get that. In Russia, in the communist countries that you know of around there, does the big book, is there no mention of higher no, power? No,
1: it's all the same. But the one thing I heard of Russia, there are wonderful people in Russia. There is a guy who is traveling every week, 18 hours from village to village, carrying the message. They were so dedicated. Most, oh, I wonderful. met the most wonderful, dedicated people We have here such a great support from Damian from Slovenia. Slovenians came to give us hand. In Temeshwar, there is for 40 years already, more than 40 years there is AA. You cannot imagine what the pioneers would have. Yes, most of them, many many groups try to change the traditions and adjust, not do the steps. But in the long run, you pay, you know? You yeah. don't stay sober.
0: So the basis the under which you got sober in the U.S. was the perfect platform from which you could help build Croatian AA.
1: Yeah. When I was leaving, my one of my friends, uh, Claire, sponsees, my, my sponsor, Claire, uh, she looked at me. Her name is Beverly. And she's a fantastic epitome of 12 steps. Mm-hmm. She looked at me and she said, And honey, don't you forget. You are not Bill Wilson. <laughs> <laughs> if I'm proud of anything, I never made myself president important. I know I respect Clancy for all his work. I went to many meetings, but I never made myself. Mm-hmm. I'm one of the members. I stayed one. Of... Even today, I have great sponsors. They are light of my life. Uh, I'm grateful to God. I'm grateful to whatever happened to me. But the grace of being in AA, being able to participate in a first edition translation of AA book, carrying both books, uh, it's priceless.
0: Yeah, and that's a real godsend to the people in Croatia, to the people in AA, to people like me who are... Absolutely amazed by the humility, the newfound, humble nature that you have by virtue of doing this incredible service When work.
1: I came to AA, I was everything but humble. I was arrogant, a self-possessed, an insane actress. I never thought of anybody, I didn't want to talk to anybody who was not important, but <laughs> One thing I want to say, my sweetest memory of AA at the very beginning. Mm-hmm. I'm at the train station going to Osiek, 14 hours ahead of me. I'm translating 12 on 12. And I have my book, and there is on and right next to me, there is a purple in a face, a red, drunk, last stage alcoholic in a red sweater with some white feathers. He had he slept in some chicken house. I don't know. He had white feathers, you know. <laughs> and I and he has uh-huh. little glasses. And so I walk in the my compartment, you know, and uh, in the car. And he, I knew he's gonna sit next to me. So I said, "He's mine," and he's right next to me. <laughs> so I'm not saying and I'm smiling and read, tra- writing, translating from it. And he said, So what are you working on? I said, oh, I'm translating. Just came back from the United States. I brought a program, um, uh, 12 steps. I'm translating the uh, uh, right now. I, you know, I am an alcoholic, and this is the book, How to Help Alcoholics Achieve Sobriety. And he looks at me, he said, I am alcoholic as well. Oh, oh what a surprise! <laughs> <laughs> I'll never.
0: That must have been some ride for him and for you.
1: It was the sweetest. I was flying like a kite, and he said, "Oh, make sure you send me that that book when it's done." And then he introduced himself, and you know, almost tears rolled down my eyes. He said, "I'm a doctor from Serbia. From oh. you know, it was so sad to see a doctor that was in a chicken house." Yeah, and uh, I translated the, the, yeah. that book, and he gave me that address. And uh, one of my amends that I'm never gonna do because I lost his address. And I just uh, yeah, oh. yeah, i will be unfair not to say that. But
0: did you ever hear from him again after that?
1: No, <laughs> he probably he's probably a long time no. dead. I mean, he was just like, uh, I am so sorry, I lost the address. Uh, seven years later on Serbia got the AA and there were some wonderful people, uh, you know, the pioneer countries who tried to accommodate trend <laughs> traditions. And, and, but in the course of the time, a lot of people show up in the good 12 steppers, and then you explain. I wasn't that way at the beginning of my sobriety. Yeah. I wasn't like this 12 step, you know.
0: You've worked at it over the years and the beautiful thing about your story, and I'm glad I was able to speak with you like this today, because a lot of times when people tell their story in front of a group of people, they focus on certain parts of their story that are, you know... uh, most entertaining or most meaningful. And then there are lots of parts of their story, especially for someone like you who's been sober 30 years. A lot's happened since you got sober and today. And something like this is really, really big and has it has helped facilitate a big change in a lot of people's lives who've gotten AA in Croatia. And I feel really honored to have been part of finding out about this and letting other people in the world know about this. There might be somebody in Croatia who listens to this podcast who says, I know that woman. Now, they won't see your picture. They won't know your last name because I keep the last names out. But they will know that you are a person of service to AA and that AA owes you a debt of gratitude. Perhaps that matches your debt of gratitude. That's why at the end of every podcast, I say, this is something that I do to repay aa for that which has been so freely given to me and i want to thank you so much for doing this today i love thank you you're just you. a terrific person and i i really enjoy the the fact that you and i get a chance to share a meeting together on saturdays it's a marvelous time to see you and hear from you and i again i want to thank you from the bottom of my heart for doing this ksenia you're terrific.
1: thank you very very much
0: well, my friends, that's it for this episode of AA Recovery Interviews. I want to thank my guest, Casenia P., for sharing her story. And thank you for tuning in. If you enjoyed AA Recovery Interviews, will you please tell others about it and leave a review for the show on your podcast app? That'll help others find us. As the number of worldwide listeners grows, this podcast will be of greater help to more and more people. Of course, you can listen to any or all of my other 69 interviews on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, iHeartRadio, Spotify, Pandora, Stitcher, Amazon, and other podcast providers. Or tell Siri, Google Assistant, or Alexa, play AA Recovery Interviews podcast. Or visit our website, aarecoveryinterviews.com, to listen to every interview, share your comments, and also contact us. If you want to email me directly, it's howard at aarecoveryinterviews.com. By the way, this podcast strictly adheres to AA's 12 traditions and all general service office guidelines for safeguarding anonymity online. I pay all production costs, no advertising is allowed, and no one receives financial gain from this show. AA Recovery Interviews and my guests do not speak for or represent AA at large. This podcast is simply my way of giving back to AA, that which has been so freely given to me. The next episode of AA Recovery Interviews is on the way, so keep coming back. It'll be here soon.